0: Well, welcome to the Blow Off Valve podcast. We're your host Alex and Tucker, and we're back from our slightly extended uh, <laughs> holiday <laughs> break. Um, we were, you know, I think our last episode came out just just before Christmas. And okay. um, and so we were at Christmas, New Year's. Uh, my wife and I did a little bit of traveling. So kind of a little mm-hmm. bit of a, a longer break for the podcast, but we're back. And uh well, I guess you guys did a little bit of traveling too. We did traveling yeah. together. It was pretty fun. Yeah,
1: we did traveling together. <laughs>
0: um, so uh, we did, we were catching up on a lot. Um, yeah, we are. There was unf- the first kind of thing we want to talk about is not the, the, you know, kind of is a sad story, but a very important one in the automotive world. And that was the, the passing of Ken Block. And for those of you who, who may not know, even if you're tangentially interested in cars, you probably. Ah, uh, seen or heard of the Jim series on um, YouTube videos that came out that showcase really incredible precision driving and stunts that uh, Ken did, uh, along with Hoonigan. And and Ken is a really interesting character. He co-founded DC Shoes, and then I didn't know that. Yep. So he was co-founder of DC Shoes. He sold that for I think like a hundred million dollars or something like that. I forget who bought it, but. Um, he then used that money to basically live, live the dream of every car enthusiast. He he yeah. founded Hoonigan, co-founded Hoonigan, which is you know kind of an automotive lifestyle uh, brand, and they do YouTube videos and all sorts of different content. Uh, but you know he fam- famously made the Gymkhana videos. Uh, Initially with kind of rally style cars, but then he he built the the unicorn, which is probably his most famous car. It was the kind of the '60s Ford Mustang that had the crazy twin turbo race engine and um, <coughs> custom four wheel drive system, and just anyways did a lot of amazing stuff. He at the age of I think he was in his mid 40s. He started competing in professional rallying in the Rally North America series. And he had always dreamed of being a rally car driver. And so, I mean, he, he had an incredible driving skill. Um, And unfortunately he was, I guess, out, um, you know, despite all these kind of dangerous things he did in cars, uh, he actually was killed when he was out snowmobiling, he was going up, uh, I guess, a steep ridge and the, uh, the snowmobile flipped and and rolled over Mm. on him. And, And unfortunately he was, pronounced dead at the scene so really sad story uh uh you know leaves behind a wife and and i don't know how many kids he has i know he has a daughter older daughter uh, who's in her late teens but uh you know for me uh, i remember seeing the initial gymkhana series and that that was kind of how i first heard about Mm -hmm. ken block and it was a revelation i mean nothing Mm -hmm. really had Certainly, outside of maybe Top Gear, the yeah. that production quality and and just you know stunt the stunt driving like yeah just I, you've never seen that
1: before. I know, <laughs> I know, I know. It was crazy. It was absolutely you know, crazy. It,
0: it was really incredible, and and you know, and they kind of kept upping the ante with each entry yeah. in the series. For any car car person, it was just a you got really excited when you heard a new Gymkhana was going to be coming out. And lately Travis Pastrana has, has gotten involved in the Gymkhana series as well. So it wasn't just Ken doing it, but Ken probably Mm -hmm. made the most famous ones and, you know, his team at Hoonigan, you know, they have, you know, they've kind of become a a pretty powerhouse automotive content uh, and lifestyle and, and, apparel and I mean they they do all sorts mm-hmm. of stuff but he's he kind of built this whole other second very successful brand after his you know after cashing out in DC shoes when most people would have said okay 100 million bucks in the bank like
1: yeah i'm yeah. retired He'll on a beach somewhere yeah.
0: <laughs> you know and 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 he he was you know obviously he you know he started out as a skateboarder yeah. and was kind of an extreme sports athlete so like i think he just didn't have that mentality he wanted to chase the next thing and got into rally driving and, you know, just used his money, how, how probably you and I both would use that yeah. kind of money and build crazy cars.
1: I mean, I know. Yeah. You know, and I think that's kind of where you, you realize his uh, heart was in the right place, you mm-hmm. know, um, to take that kind of capital and reinvest it in your interests. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not doing that because it's just uh, a side job. Uh, right, it's fundamental. I mean, it's obviously it was like a core the part of his existence, yeah, and passion, yeah. And so, I've got a lot of respect for that. You know, it's one of the things you know, we've talked about over the years is, um, kind of it's always impressive to see human beings who take things to the limits. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of my friends who I have great respect for, he's um, really into physical training and stuff, and I always thought it was cool that he you know kind of gave you know me and people who kind of committed themselves to doing something ridiculous like uh going to medical school or something and just mm-hmm. bashing your brain against the wall for just a brutal amount of time Years. and just you know <laughs> yeah and kind of like just sticking with it and delivering and getting it done mm-hmm. um and that and i think like So, you know, I've done that in one vector in life, um, but not others. And I'm always like so impressed when I see other humans take that same kind of brute effing force mentality and just run with it. And, uh, you know, whether that's climbing uh, Everest or something or, you know, dedicating yourself to becoming a great rally car driver and Olympic athlete, it, it always just kind of resonates. Um, yeah and and so it's obviously sad to hear his passing um um but these folks um you know kind of michael schumacher reminds me a little bit of this too like they're just people who live life to the fullest yeah um and if you put them in a cage and put them behind uh you know computer terminal and just said you gotta type articles all day or whatever it would literally you you might as well be dead they might as well be dead at that point um and so i am sad but i'm also just really impressed with how he lived his life and really striving to get the most out of it yeah i think every, every endeavor
0: right yeah i mean that's the thing is i think it's the the commendable thing at the end of the day is like he's someone who basically chased his his dreams and his passion and was successful at it and you know and it is you know it is certainly sad he you know he he passed away at 55 very young but you know he also he was out doing something he enjoyed you know which Mm uh you know is
2: yeah there's worse ways to to go go.
0: yeah exactly Mm -hmm. so you know it is a it is extremely sad but I mean, what a, what a fricking impressive life, you know? And, and you can mm-hmm. see there's a couple, you know, a couple things, you know, piece of content that he was involved in that I would, I would highly recommend. Aside from the Gymkhana series, there was a, he was involved in doing the East African Safari with Tuthill Porsche, uh, Porsche on um, this past year and, and Tuthill put out on their YouTube channel, Basically, kind of like a, a documentary of that East African rally, and it's really fun to watch. Um, it's basically a bunch of nine elevens that are built kind of safari rally style, and and uh, it's it's really beautiful cinematography, and and Ken's hmm. you know featured in it. Um,
1: cool. So yeah, send that if, my um, way. I'd love to check it out. I haven't, uh, haven't seen that.
0: It was, it was so, it, it's like a, about an hour long. It's excellent. Cool. But, um, you, you, you're right. Like, you know, you look at what Ken did in 55 years versus someone who's a paper pusher for yeah. 35 years, at the same company retires. And then just, you know,
1: yeah, doesn't,
0: doesn't really pursue anything in life. And, and who, whose life would you have rather had, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: So, um, but we, we will miss uh, and, you know, but importantly you know a lot of what he built and contributed to our culture uh and the automotive culture is is going to persist you know um and and do so you know in in kind of remembrance of of what he what he kind of stood for so Mm -hmm. i'm sure we'll see future jim khan films and and more content from from hoonigan and furthering kind of the uh people's enjoyment in, in, in the automotive world. So, uh, it's a pretty, pretty incredible life. All right. Well, let's switch gears from, from, uh, you know, Ken's passing and to hopefully a little happier topic, although it's kind of an evolving story. Cadillac of all people (laughs) Mm -hmm. have teamed up. So uh, a little backstory, um, the Andretti family and specifically Michael Andretti,
1: Feels has like kind this of has been, been going on for a while.
0: <laughs> yeah, they've been kind of they've been kind of flirting with the idea of getting involved in Formula One. Obviously, Mario Andretti, um, you know, was you know, famous, you know, F one driver, and subsequently, you know, raced in multiple series. But so there's a history there. And Cadillac has teamed up with Andretti Global to basically put together. Um, a team to try and get into F1 as, as a new team. So they're not taking over Mm -hmm. an existing, you know, a Williams or a Haas or something that they would be an added, you know, an added team to the current lineup of uh, F1 teams. And a big hurdle for this is um, there's a $200 million entry fee. Yeah. uh, That has (laughs) to be paid. And that's really kind of, I guess in theory, from what I read about it, it's, it's to kind of offset the additional. So the the uh, the Formula One teams, a lot of their money comes not just from sponsorships, but the the ima- the money that's brought in by the TV rights uh, from Formula One uh, gets split up amongst all the teams. And so when you add a team in, that gotcha. piece of the pie for everybody else gets smaller. And so that two hundred million dollar entry fee is supposed to kind of offset the decrease in size of the piece of the pie that each team gets. So mm-hmm. that two hundred million gets split up amongst the, the existing teams. Mm-hmm. So obviously that's a huge hurdle. They supposedly have that two hundred million dollars um, uh, for the entry, and now they just need to get approval. And it in in it sounds like the FIA is supportive of it. That. Um, the head of the FIA mm-hmm. basically, you know, said you know they think it's a would be a good addition. But what's interesting is there's a lot of pushback from uh, the existing teams, especially uh, Toto Wolff, uh, notably, uh, and then I think Christian Horner has also kind of come out.
1: So, what's their it. perspective? Why why are they against this?
0: Basically, they they are saying that I, I think Toto. Specifically has said, you know, he has maintained that if you're going to add somebody to the pool uh, of teams, well, you need to be bringing like a unique component to the table, like to, to make, to justify expanding the number of teams that are, that are involved. Interesting. So he's, he's saying that them coming in doesn't really add anything to Formula One that Formula One doesn't already have. You know, if you're looking at it as like, well, this is an American team. Well, Haas is an American team already. Mm-hmm. Um so they're kind of looking at it as like, you know, what would be the new, you know, if it was a if it was a Chinese company that was coming in and it'd be a Chinese owned F one team, that would be different. So like, you know, that would you know, maybe
1: So we can have, you know, eight European teams and only Right. one American oh, that... team and that's no, there's no novelty there? I don't know right. why I buy it. No, I think it's a <clears> bullshit <throat> argument, quite
0: frankly. Yeah. I think they I just mean, don't think... want the competition.
1: I mean, yeah, at the end of the day, right, I mean, like, are these guys going to be any good? Are they going to be another Haas and then they're out in two years? Like, who cares? If they right. come in and they're competitive, then I think that's bringing something to the table. It's right. rattling cages. It's mm-hmm. kind of shaking shit up. Right. It's leveling the playing field, saying these guys came in, they're bringing a fresh set of eyes, they're shaking things up, and they're doing really well. Right. I'm I'm all for that. I think that's yeah. a great idea. So and not
0: and not um, every team has been against it. I'll point I'll point yeah, out yeah, I, yeah, I know particularly I think McLaren has come out and said like they think it's a they'd be a good addition. The thing where that would get I think it could get interesting is you know <clears throat> they would need an engine partner. Because unless Cadillac has been doing a lot of work behind the scenes, I don't think Cadillac is producing yeah, that's kind interesting. Of the one-inch.
1: You just assumed like Cadillac would be the engine.
0: No, I I, I but, think they're. Um, you know, I don't know what Cadillac. If, yeah. if it's kind of like what Aston Martin has done with yeah. the former um, Racing Point team, where like. Yeah, you know it's not. There's not an Aston Martin that, engine so, in the car. And that,
1: and you know, from that perspective, if it's you know okay, we look at it that way, and they're coming in and they're going to buy a Mercedes engine right. to run the Cadillac team, then yeah, I get Toto's argument. Like, I mean, what, that's what, that are you, would, what are you doing?
0: That's what I suspect it would be. They would likely be getting an engine from either Mercedes, Renault, yeah. or Ferrari. Yeah. And in, in that scenario, like, yeah, they're not really any different other than that they've got a Cadillac. A different color,
1: yeah. On <laughs> livery on the car, yeah. So I, I do get that. I mean, I guess if they were coming in and they were bringing their own engine, and, mm-hmm. you know, and in probably the 1960s or 70s, <clears throat> that was pretty reasonable. Right. But now I think things have gotten so complicated, sophisticated, and expensive, yeah, That's why you've got these, you know, silly situations where you've got, you know, manufacturers that they literally produce cars and they're running other manufacturers' engines. Yeah, I mean. And they're a Formula uh, One team. And it's the like, pro- it's kind of confusing. Process to develop
0: a, the process to develop a Formula <laughs> One engine is in, is in the many hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, Mm -hmm. That is why Honda was kind of getting out of it, uh, ostensibly. I mean, there may have been more politics behind the scenes that I don't know about, but um, it's extremely expensive to develop new engines. And, you know, particularly in an era where every few years they might change the displacement that's allowed or something about the hybrid system. So you're having to re engineer stuff like that can be a pretty expensive, ongoing concern. Mm -hmm. And so you know cat like i said cadillac unless they've been doing things behind the scenes for multiple years uh i don't imagine they have an engine that's ready to go be plunked out
1: of the box yeah yeah so
0: so yeah then then it kind of turns in like i said to what aston martin's doing which is kind of a basically just a branding exercise they want their name plastered all over the car but there's basically no aston martin part there like yeah they might like do the suspension geometry or or you know certainly design yeah. the the body of the car, but the engine, the transmission, all that sort of stuff that that's as far as I know, all off the shelf stuff from mercedes, yeah so it it's it's an i would <clears throat> love to see another American team in there, I think particularly with the growth of the sport in the u s and the in the wake of drive to survive uh there's enthusiasm for another u.s team there's also speculation that if they do get a spot they'll be bringing on um an american driver uh, Mm -hmm. which would be obviously exciting um but i i think toto's comments while they seem a little bit exclusionary um i do kind of get his point too so
1: yeah that makes more sense yeah no, yeah
0: so we'll see mm-hmm. i it's kind of an ongoing story i don't know the process through which i don't know if the teams have to vote and and you know True, yeah. whether they allow somebody in i don't know if the fia can unilaterally say like oh no this is happening and you guys just have to put up with it um that's one thing i'm not very clear on so we'll kind of have to see how the story develops um but uh you know i think it would be cool to have the Andretti name uh, on yeah. there. I think Cadillac is, it's a very, I don't think of Cadillac as a performance brand. So it's a very interesting, yeah. you know, obviously they have the black wings, so they can do performance, yeah. but it's, it's yeah. an interesting marriage for sure.
1: Yeah. It'll <laughs> be interesting to see how this uh, shakes out. So would this be for next season? If everything got organized or would it be one um, more season down the road? Uh, Any I'm, idea?
0: Let's see. <laughs> I, I haven't really, you know, I mean, the next season actually is going to be like winter testing is kind of happening soon,
1: I so I'll assume it'd be like maybe a couple seasons in down the road. It, it yeah. doesn't seem like a light thing to do, is just jump into Formula One. <laughs> no, I'm kind of, oh, um, off <laughs> yeah,
0: Cadillac's press release doesn't really mention it, um, sure. like when they're what their target is for when they yeah. want to um
1: well it is interesting to though you know them. when you take a step back and you think about Audi's interests, Porsche's interests, Cadillac's interests, you mm-hmm. know, the ratings are up. And I, I think, you know, Porsche's obviously been pretty successful, kind of as this like brand where it's like, okay, we've got this motorsport side and then we've got this luxury side. Um right. But I think anywhere in this day and age where you can get increased brand recognition, they're gonna chase that. That seems to be what's happening to right. some extent right now.
0: Ultimately I think I think whether they get in, get approval or not really hinges on whether this is a true works GM Cadillac works team or whether yeah. it is simply a branding exercise like Aston Martin. Mm-hmm. So we shall see.
1: <laughs> yeah, it'll be uh, interesting.
0: So some, some kind of personal news on the horizon. So you and I are going up on Saturday to the Porsche. Yes. Why are we
1: going? <laughs> Why are we going? Well, because, you know, I do what I do well and that's <laughs> you know, continually buy different cars. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, so
0: some good news and some sad news. But yeah, yeah. I'll yeah, let exactly, you I'll let you yeah. kind of say
1: what's what. You know, so I think in my I, in my brain, I've kind of thought ever since I've you know owned an electric vehicle, I kind of thought when I got one that this is going to take a while mm-hmm. um, to transition into you know kind of fully fledged EVs, and 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 we've got plenty of time to you know kind of pick our modern day. Sports car that we want before the time before the bell tolls. And, yeah, sure. Um, I mean, maybe to some extent that is still true. You know, maybe this is all just kind of um, like we've talked ad nauseum on the podcast about you know, like the Cadillac Blackwing, all these last her- what seemed seemingly our last heroic you know efforts at building the kind of pinnacle internal combustion engine car before. We just all shutter the doors, right. and everybody's mm-hmm. driving around batteries, yep but i I do kind of worry that that is actually what's happening um whether it's when when you kind of look at the world and you organize it into a few markets of decent size, mm-hmm. the European market seems to be taking this very seriously, um, mm-hmm. you know the Russian war has definitely probably crystallized that um, Mm -hmm. a little bit more for the continent that the future for them is not necessarily fossil fuels, but probably renewable energy. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, anyway, so that's kind of probably their perspective. Um, When you look at the other really big market in the world, the Chinese market, I think they see that as electric, Vehicles and renewable energy are kind of like key to dominance of the next century, and mm-hmm. so there's a lot of impetus for them to be successful at it. So you've got now two of the three really, really big markets saying this is where we're going, right? And so for us in the United States, even if we may not be like quite there with the infrastructure or you know, was enthusiastic about it, it's probably coming for us, mm-hmm. whether we whether like it or not, or not. Yeah. because our companies and multinationals have to compete on the global stage.
2: Um, right.
1: And it just gets really expensive if you're sinking development costs into your next generation internal combustion engine while trying to spin up entire an entirely different propulsion system with EVs. Mm-hmm. And so this this thought kind of was circulating in my brain for a long time. And I kind of always wanted to pick that modern day sports car before the gig was up. And I, I'm I'm a picky person. so I kind of like things the way I like them. And um, so I really wanted that experience of customizing it and having it built just the way I want for my use case. Mm -hmm. And, um, we talked about on the podcast, all sorts of options, you know, the, The GR Corolla, BMW M3, and, you know, after all of these back and forth discussions, I mean, I probably bored you out of your mind, and you're a car guy. (laughs) Um, I settled on the 911T Mm -hmm. as being what what I think will be, and that's kind of the beauty of this. Like, we've talked about the parallels with the 911 and the F-150 from Ford. They literally make a model for everyone. And right. that's pretty cool because you can pick the model that fits your use case. Mm-hmm. I don't live near a track. I don't have a drag strip. I just, mm-hmm. you know, drive on back roads for entertainment. And yeah. so I think the nine eleven T is is like the perfect nine eleven um that will fit my use case. <clears throat>
2: mm-hmm.
1: And I've been uh hoping obviously we're in like a really tough market right now. I mean you talk to dealerships, and if you don't have a relationship with them and you're out of state, you're probably looking at big ADMs on cars like that. If you're in right. state and have a relationship with them, you might get lucky and be able to get it at, at MSRP. Yeah. Um, and so I kind of just kept pestering my dealership. And locally you had gotten
0: kind of on the, the interested list uh, yes. a while back for one Yeah, yeah,
1: actually, because you and I, we went up there to look at a GTS, a 911 GTS. <laughs> Mm -hmm. and i thought walking away from that like i guess that makes sense um i don't know if i can use all that power for my use case but that's what's on offer it's a gts or an s maybe Mm -hmm. i'll just go for the extra power and that's kind of what i did when i picked my tycon i went with a turbo even though like weeks before i had test drove a 4s and was like kind of befuddled by holy
0: crap it's fast like
1: this thing is ballistically quick like yeah does the turbo still make sense (laughs) i don't know i was like i think so so i'll go turbo yeah but um so i kind of had pestered them after and i had given them a deposit to get on the list for a gts and Mm -hmm. when the 911t came out i was like this is basically the gts It's got all the bells and whistles like, you know, PASM, the ability to option rear axle steering, which I get is, you know, people have varying opinions on, but it's Mm -hmm. basically all of these really nice sports car goods stuffed into a base 911, and you can get a manual transmission, which for me is critical the, that, is, that right. is the entire reason of doing this right is to get a manual transmission before the gig is up and they're not mm-hmm. making them anymore right um and so i i was number four on the list um the dealership got three allocations i kind of had to wait a few weeks uh, i was over the holidays too to see what these folks had decided and you mm-hmm. know, when they came out with this car, they said, hey, you know, you're going to be able to get this in paint-to-sample. You're going to yeah. be able to put carbon fiber buckets in this thing, yada, yada, yada. Right. And then when it shows up for the allocation there, you can't get paint-to-sample. You yeah. cannot get carbon fiber buckets. Part shortages, right. part shortages. You know, and, interesting
0: thing on the side note on the paint-to-sample, I just heard about this uh, on a another podcast. Apparently. They, even if you already had a paint to sample slot, they're retracting it for some people or oh, making them pick a different brutal. color because the gold flake that they use in some of the paint to sample colors, they can't get it right now for whatever reason. Wow. So, you I know, that it's so minute is causing people to either, they're either having to say, actually, I don't want to paint to sample anymore or they're having to pick a different color. Yeah.
1: And I I had kind of been of the camp that I'm going to get this thing and paint a sample. I want to do something quirky, fun Mm -hmm. color. And that really was a little bit frustrating when that went away. But I also looked at it kind of in a more holistic approach, thinking this might be it. Mm -hmm. Um, And really what I'm trying to get away from is I'm not interested in a hybridized internal combustion car. I don't, yeah. I don't give a shit about going faster zero to 60. Right. I can do that in an EV, and they are ballistically quick. I learned that mm-hmm. with my Taycan Turbo. I have mm-hmm. zero interest in that, in an internal yeah. combustion car. Um, one of the things I think I have noticed, and I call it the teleporting Taycan, because mm-hmm. it, it literally just teleports corner to corner. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it is fun, but it doesn't really let you be much in the moment um yeah. one of one of the most enjoyable cars I've owned in the past few years, and this was just kind of a rash purchase. We needed something for a certain window. we got a Volkswagen all track and a manual and the the reason that car was a blast to drive is because you could flog it. you mm-hmm. could floor it, you could shift quick and just beat on it on public roads, and you could get everything out of it. and it was mm-hmm. just fun um. Yeah but when your car takes you from like zero to a hundred in three and a half seconds or four freaking seconds,
2: mm-hmm. it
1: doesn't leave a lot of time for fun outside of just the mind bending acceleration. Right. Um, and so I, I've said to you a few times, I really am convinced that in this kind of moment, I reflect on this with like some of my other interests like my coffee and stuff that i'm into where i'm you know manually doing all this stuff there's a there's more to be gained sometime with less Mm um you know kind of being in the moment enjoying your turns enjoying the public roads and not being going 95 miles an hour on them or 120 miles an hour on them um and so i think the 911 t is going to fit that bill pretty well um So I am this weekend pre-trading my Ticon in the deal. Um, mm-hmm. So that is going up there. The turbo will be going up for sale. Oh um, no! <laughs> it is a little the end little of an era. Bad. You know, and and I think the the reality is, and you guys, we've you know talked about this before. That that technology is only going to get better.
0: Right. Uh, Yeah. You're, you're, you're trading in an iPhone one when the iPhone two is coming in another year or two.
1: Basically. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, obviously everybody's at different, you know, phases in their car experience and exploration, but I, I feel like I've lived in the future now for a few years, Mm -hmm. uh, with the Taycan. And I think what, you know, piqued my interest was when I got my BMW 2002 and Mm -hmm. kind of realized I'm going to miss this. Uh, We as a collective are going to miss this people who are like petrol heads and interested in cars. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I was really looking to try to find some kind of modern day sports car that you know i could put kids in the back travel around with my wife because i can't really do all that stuff my 2002 it's not obviously like the safest car when you've got ford excursions and ford rafters yeah no no airbags small (laughs) i don't even know if the seatbelts work i think they work i don't know yeah it's just it's not practical for that um yeah i do have a question
0: for you on the on the t um so because i don't think i asked you this when you got the email saying you've got an allocation if you want it, was it exhilaration? Was it, oh, shit, I got to make a decision now?
1: <laughs> what was yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, fortunately, I don't know why, but I just I felt like the winds were blowing in my direction. Mm-hmm. Like for those three weeks over the holiday, um, mm-hmm. my sales advisor basically said, listen, I'll let you know when I hear back from them. Yeah, And it was basically kind of radio silence. And by like week four, I was like, something's weird. Mm-hmm. Somebody's going to do, somebody's going to bail. If it's yeah. the carbon fiber buckets that were critical, paint a sample, mm-hmm. like somebody's out. Yeah, And I just was like, I need to spend some time on the configurator. Mm-hmm. And you and I went back and forth, back and forth. Mm -hmm. on builds and i finally got to a point where i'm like this is how i'm going to do it if it comes Mm -hmm. and so when it came i was mostly just ecstatic like oh what a relief i got the opportunity (laughs) because i don't i honestly i don't know how many of these things they're going to build with all the wacky stuff that's going on you
0: you sent me some pretty crazy numbers uh yeah so we're
1: So my allocation is for a build in April with delivery Mm -hmm. at the end of May. And from Mm -hmm. what I've gathered, I've seen some that are getting produced or um, delivered like in June. I think Mm -hmm. the latest I've heard is July. Mm -hmm. And so I don't, I I have to, I don't know how they do this. I honestly don't know if there's like a trickle every week that they're doing or if it's Mm -hmm. like production runs. I assume it's production runs since Mm -hmm. like you kind of, have to like retool the factory or assemble a bunch of parts to put this specific nine 11 together. Mm-hmm. But at the time, and I, I feel like this was a couple of weeks ago with that batch of allocations that went out, some guy was talking about how they sat down with their sales advisor and <clears throat> on their screen, they could drill into every build that has come to the United States and they've gotten 69 allocations so far. For the whole That's country, crazy, which is freaking crazy. <laughs> well, and, and, and they're you know, they're not
0: going to build this for very long because they, when the two yeah,
1: generation comes out, I don't think they're going
0: to keep building
1: it. Kind of what I think. I mean, if there's the precedent is when you look at the 991 T that ran for a year and they were done. Right. Um. I just don't. I don't. I mean, obviously, like I. I might be making this up, but I think you can go on the website now and like there's a Macan tea and blah, blah, Mm -hmm. blah. So maybe they are splitting the salami here more and this is going to be a permanent fixture now. Um, Mm -hmm. But it seems to be at the 9-11 level, something that kind of comes and goes signaling the end of uh, a generation generation. Yeah, Yeah. before there's a refresh
0: or refresh. Yeah.
1: And what got me paranoid was seeing these um, mules, test mules with 911s with the hybrid stickers on them. Yeah. And I don't know to what degree they're going to hybridize. I think personally the 911s that are going to be great to hybridize would be like the Turbo S, the, the straight, mm-hmm. the, you know, fast and straight line cars. Cause that's kind of what you're buying me
0: it for. Because they do stratify their 911s quite a bit. It wouldn't surprise me if initially there is just a version of the 911 you can get as a hybrid, you know, like yeah. kind of like yeah. what Corvette is doing. Corvette announced
1: uh, the, last E-ray.
0: the E-Ray, the basically hybrid Corvette. And that is going to be made in parallel with the conventional yeah. naturally aspirated
1: Corvette. I, I think you're probably right. I think that's like realistically what we're going to see. Um
0: and eventually that technology, as the emissions regulations and stuff really tighten up, yeah. will probably filter right. out to most of the other... Probably, yeah. My guess is the non-GT 911s, kind of analogous to how between the 991 and 992 generation, all 911s besides the GT3 and GT3 RS became turbo cars. Yeah, uh, My guess is something similar will happen where all the 99... 99- all the 911s aside from maybe some of the GT cars will be hybrids. Yeah.
1: And I um, even if you set that aside, right, and you said, like, okay, well, you know, your Carrera S and maybe your GTS are going to keep their manual and not get hybridized in the next iteration, like, Mm -hmm. the push is still for – Greater particulate filtration and all these things, yeah, um, that so just kind of good. Exactly, kind of mm-hmm. dull the experience, and so i I feel like I feel pretty comfortable at this point putting a stake in the ground and saying, like, this is the time for me yeah. to grab this. Right, um, and even if I'm off by like another five years. Whatever generation follows the 992, I think it gigs up at that point. So, like, even if yeah. they run the T again and this is a 992.2, mm-hmm. you know, and it's not hybridized, and it's a pretty cool car, uh, great. You know, who know who the hell knows? In this world, maybe mine's worth just as much as I bought it for.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: I doubt it. But um even if that were the case, I'd still feel like the next generation, the gigs up. Yeah, um, I, think, and so I'm, I think so. Is, is, this the, is this the transition from like an era of air-cooled to water-cooled?
2: Mm-hmm. Maybe.
1: Like, maybe it's drawn out a little bit longer, but I do remember someone on the forum, and I kind of chuckled uh, when I saw this. They were basically like some of the video they saw this hybrid 911 going around the track. It, they were just like, it looked heavy as hell. Right. And I was like, well, that's because it's like a half Z tycoon now going around right. the track. Like, it's going to be a whale I mean, of a car.
0: Yeah, that's the problem is, like, these, regardless of how the 911 evolves, it's, if it's going to have hybridization, it is going to be bigger and heavier. And mm-hmm. at that point, you're moving farther away from the 911 being sports a sports car and yeah. closer to it just being a GT car. I mean, essentially, yeah. the Turbo S is... You know the, the current TurboS yeah. is basically a GT car. There's not a bunch of people tracking yeah. them. Yep, and they're just too big.
1: And, and the thing is, um, there's like this—you know, like kind of like the death by a million cuts. Like maybe you don't notice it, but then all of a yeah, sudden you're the frog dead
0: in the pot of boiling
1: water. Yeah, and mm-hmm. that's kind of what I feel like. Having lived in the EV future, mm-hmm. it's a lot of fun, and I'm not giving up on the Taycan. I may end up circling back on another one in the fall like a cross turismo or something a little Mm -hmm. bit more practical for like the family and stuff but they are really great as daily drivers like they're monsters in the winter they've got great torque heavy as hell so they've got great traction they are wonderful cars right but for those but for those who are interested in engaging in the driving experience uh i think there's like a there's a little bit of a limited window here um, where you're going to be able to do that at least you know you're going to be able to like do it in a way that you can customize it and kind of have the experience you want and not to say that you can't buy that used but But it uh, gets
0: specified how you want it yeah
1: yeah and there's so many options with these cars it just gets Ridic- um, kind of ridiculous it is actually it is really ridiculous I, so do want
0: to i do want to take partial credit because i feel like you got a bee in your bonnet about this after you drove <clears throat> my car <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh i wish it wasn't true that's why that's why i waited to drive that car for so, many, so long <laughs> i knew what it would do like to this is gonna cost me so much money <laughs> like i knew i just i knew after probably a year with the ev yeah that these have their place in the world Mm -hmm. and i i do feel like for many very reasonable reasons we are moving in the direction where that is that is going to be the predominant mode of propulsion right it's going to be for and it's going to be perfect for appliance type cars
0: Mm mm-hmm
1: can it translate to a sports car? Well, I think we're going to need more capacity in the batteries, more energy, and they're mm-hmm. going to need to be a lot lighter.
0: Yeah, I, I think, think you've got those... one of two things. It's either got to be a lot lighter and and greater energy density, or you have to have a system that would allow you to have a small battery pack with maybe like, 120 miles of range say maybe 40 miles of range when you're really on it on like a racetrack yeah but it can charge incredibly quickly so you yeah. can go out do eight laps come yeah. in charge it for 10 minutes go out do another eight get laps. back out there you know
1: yeah that's that, the that, thing, that those are I the mean, two like,
0: scenarios i see it working
1: yeah because because we were talking about this and i find this interesting because um i just a little tidbit i came across today i saw this i don't know what they're gonna call it. The the Tycon GT, some kind of, you know, you know, plaid competitor, lucid. Oh, like a GT like variant a, yeah. of the
0: Tycon. Mm-hmm.
1: And I thought to myself, well, that's really interesting because you and I had spoken of, and I can't, these are just rumors. So I can't say that it's true, right? But one of the reasons that they had run the um, Nuremberg ring with the turbo version of the Tycon was because of overheating issues Mm-hmm. with the turbo s now interestingly i think in the 2021s the cell chemistry and the battery changed mm-hmm. and i don't know if that translated to any thermal differences but you know lo and behold last year they ran another Nure- nuremberg ring time but this was with the turbo s version and got a better time yeah so i kind of was thinking to myself well, this is really interesting that they're coming out with this thousand horsepower GT version for a better Nuremberg ring. When mm-hmm. the practical truth is when you when you look at I, I sent I think I sent you a post on the Tycoon form a while back about a guy who took it was his four or four S out on the track and never really mm-hmm. ran into thermal limitations, but the mm-hmm. uh, a prolific poster on there with a turbo, he took his out and like, you know, Laguna Seca, maybe a couple hot laps in he was he was already limited
0: yeah you know? i would i would also think like you know obviously like the heat is a major issue but mm-hmm. i would think after three four laps with how f- heavy that car is and how much work it's doing <laughs> <I know. you're laughs> your, tires, your tires brakes are, are going to be shot like you, well, better huge, yeah. you better have a huge you better have a huge you know budget for those sort of Replaceable thing.
1: Yeah, and that's oh cars. god, I know. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's you know physics, there's math, and all well, the all the math. Still, I don't know how many got to give. Some got to give, and in these cars, it's the tires. The I also
0: don't know them. how many tracks have EV chargers at them.
1: And and that's really interesting. You mentioned that with a, a guy on I think his name is Davo for EV or something on the Ticon form. He's a lunatic. I think he's actually got a GT3 on the way. Oh, cool. um, he's, his wife's got a turbo S he drives a Taycan turbo and he's a lunatic,
0: tough life, um,
1: <laughs> yeah, tough life. But he listed, uh, all of the like kind of relevant tracks and how far the closest fast charger was. Um, mm-hmm. cause most of them do not have, you know, 300 kilowatt yeah. capacity it's funny. charging. At
0: tracks. I, think I think it's a bit analogous to like, like pretty much every racetrack you go to either on site or nearby has a pump that will sell you race gas, like 101 octane. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And I wonder (laughs) if eventually it's going to be like,
1: yeah, yeah, every, every track
0: has like high speed chargers, you know?
1: Yeah. So the thing about EVs right now, and just kind of what I'm reflecting on in the whole experience is they're novel. They're very interesting. They're Mm going to have their place in the world. I think someday we might get that EV experience to translate into sports cars, but we're not there yet.
0: Yeah, they're, they're and, uh, they don't, the dynamics are just not there, despite a lot of yeah. very smart people trying to yeah minimize the weight through a lot of yeah. suspension tweaking and things like rear steer, things like, you know, dynamic chassis control and things, you know.
1: All yeah, yeah, yeah. All this magic to try to hide. <laughs> yeah. But at the end of the day, Hi, it's, it's 5,000 yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Well, I'm super excited for you, man. Like, I know I it's man, yeah. it's going to be the end of an era. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to have been there, there from the beginning decision, and, and, and Yeah, yeah,
2: <laughs> um, yeah, yeah.
0: But it's you've got something very fun coming on the way, actually. I like, think you know, so. When you think, I mean, what's kind of crazy is, basically you're supposed to have that car in 3 months right
1: yeah so yeah. that's that's it cool. <laughs> it'll time out kind of right in time for the summer months yeah um, which so will be I think perfect. that's going to be a real hoot yeah we'll do some uh, shenanigans yeah together oh, yeah. We'll, have, well yeah we'll have to get some videos and stuff like that well, and, and we'll be able to
0: finally—you'll—you'll you'll finally be able to go to a PCA meetup and not feel <laughs> conspicuous in the Ticon. Yeah, yeah, got a yeah, Car yeah, with yeah. an actual engine in it. <laughs> 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 all right. Well, yeah. I think that's going to do it for this week. Um, unless you have anything you want to add, buddy? No, that's great. All right. Well, thank you all so much for listening. Um, we will uh, be back in a couple of weeks with uh, kind of more news and updates. I might. I'm just going to throw this as a teaser. I might have kind of an interesting uh, car update uh, coming. Um, Indeed. I will, I will know in the next couple of weeks. Excellent. Um, so I'll just leave that for what it is. Uh, <laughs> but until then, uh, be sure to follow us on Instagram at the BlowFL podcast. Podcast. Uh, great place to to interact with us and comment, uh, ask questions. There's show topics you'd like to hear us discuss. You know, that's a perfect place to, to do it. Um, and until then, we'll see you in, in a couple of weeks.